Hello and welcome to the Men and Lupus podcast, a show that talks about lupus, its friends and the effects they have on men. My name is Michael and I am your host. Today's episode is about the various cutaneous lupuses and what they do. In episode 10 we spoke about the history of lupus and also touched on cutaneous lupus which has more than one type. So in today's episode we go more in depth into them. Although some of what you'll hear was mentioned in episode 3, What is Lupus? It is important to cover in more detail a range of cutaneous lupuses. In a later episode, I'll be talking in more detail about systemic lupus. So, there is four types of lupus which are systemic, cutaneous, neonatal and drug-induced lupus. Although, with cutaneous, it seems there are five categories of this skin lupus. There is chronic cutaneous lupus erythematosus, or CCLE for short, subacute cutaneous lupus erythematosus, or SCLE for short, acute cutaneous lupus erythematosus, known as ACLE for short, lupus erythematosus profundus, which is LEP, tumid lupus erythematosus, TLE, and chilblane lupus erythematosus. Each form possesses its own characteristic lesions and pattern. Now, considering I had lesions when I saw my original doctor, makes me wonder what he was thinking because the signs were right there in front of him that I more than likely had lupus. The question I have is, is it really as hard to diagnose as the doctors say it is, or is it simply that they aren't following the signs and getting people tested for it? We'll start off with CCLE. Chronic cutaneous lupus erythematosus, or CCLE, is a chronic autoimmune skin condition that is known as a subtype of cutaneous lupus erythematosus, known as CLE for short. CCLE can present with various types of skin lesions, including discoid lesions, which is also known as discoid lupus erythematosus, or DLE for short. It is characterized by disc-shaped raised red and scaly patches on areas that can occur preferentially in the scalp, face and neck, which are known as sun-exposed locations. These lesions can be itchy and cause discomfort. I've also had them on my scalp plus arm. The arm one is where they took a sample to do my biopsy from. So these skin lesions often begin as small erythematosus or red lesions, which develop scaling and scarring as they enlarge. Only these types of chronic lesions commonly leave a permanent scar when healing. The strange thing about these lesions is in general, they don't seem to affect the hands. I don't know why that is yet, but there must be a reason, as I would have thought they're one of the sun-exposed locations. Maybe if the experts find out why that is, it can help with finding a way to stop them from attacking the other parts of the body that I mentioned. Another symptom is photosensitivity, which is an increased sensitivity to sunlight. While CCLE primarily affects the skin, it is important to know that in some cases it can be associated with systemic lupus erythematosus, SLE, a more widespread autoimmune condition that can affect multiple organs and systems in the body. 
My next episode will cover SLE in more detail. The diagnosis of CCLE is typically based on a combination of clinical evaluation, including a thorough examination of the skin lesions, and may involve skin biopsies to confirm the diagnosis. As I mentioned earlier when speaking about the biopsy done on my arm, the management of CCLE often involves a combination of measures aimed at controlling skin symptoms and preventing disease progression. Treatment may include topical and systemic medications as well as measures to minimise exposure to sunlight. The prognosis for individuals with CCLE can vary and it is influenced by factors such as the extent of skin involvement and the presence of any associated systemic disease. With appropriate management, many individuals with CCLE can lead fulfilling lives. Chronic cutaneous lupus erythematosus is a complex condition that requires individualized care often involving collaboration between dermatologists and rheumatologists to address both the skin manifestations and any potential systemic involvement. One thing you'll notice as we go through them is that all cutaneous lupuses are diagnosed in the same way, with the same processes. So as I briefly mentioned, CLE, which is cutaneous lupus erythematosus, is the term that refers to a group of skin-related manifestations of lupus erythematosus. It covers all forms of lupus that primarily affect the skin. This includes the ones that may not necessarily leave scarring. So the difference is that CCLE is used for the specific versions that have persistent skin lesions, such as discoid lupus. Some forms of CLE, particularly SCLE, can also be associated with systemic lupus erythematosus, SLE, indicating potential involvement beyond the skin. So now let's have a look at SCLE. SCLE, or subacute cutaneous lupus erythematosus, which is the full name, is characterized by raised circular or round red lesions and can appear in the chest, back, forehead, and arm areas typically the sun-exposed areas of the body. The lesions often present themselves as a very distinctive ring-shaped or papulous quamus looking eruptions, which can be red, scaly, and may resemble psoriasis. I think they call it papulous quamus. I think they call it papulous quamus because there is a disorder by that name which relates to a group of many different skin conditions which have those distinct markings I described. SCLE is strongly associated with photosensitivity, meaning that exposure to sunlight can exacerbate the skin manifestations. These skin lesions can often be difficult to recognize and are often confused with other skin diseases, notably psoriasis, tinea corporis, fungal skin infection, and pityriasis rosea. While SCLE primarily affects the skin, it is also associated with systemic lupus erythematosus, SLE, in a significant proportion of cases. This means that individuals with SCLE may be at risk of developing systemic symptoms associated with SCLE, such as joint pain, fatigue, and involvement of internal organs. The diagnosis of subacute cutaneous lupus erythematosus involves a thorough evaluation of the skin lesions, often requiring a dermatologist's expertise. Additionally, the presence of systemic symptoms associated with SLE may be assessed through laboratory tests, including blood work and other diagnostic studies. 
The treatment of SCLE may involve a combination of measures aimed at managing skin symptoms and addressing potential systemic involvement. This can include the use of topical corticosteroids, antimalarial medications, e.g. hydroxychloroquine, and in some cases, systemic immunosuppressive agents. Sun protection measures are also crucial in managing SCLE due to its photosensitivity. Now, speaking of sun protection and photosensitivity, let's talk about discoid lupus. Discoid lupus erythematosus, or DLE for short, and usually referred to just as discoid lupus, is another one of the chronic autoimmune conditions that primarily affects the skin. However, as I have found out through personal experience, it also affects the joints. The characterization of it, as the term goes, is by the presence of round or disc-shaped skin lesions, often with raised borders and a scaly or crusty appearance. The lesions typically occur on sun-exposed areas of the body, such as the face, scalp, ears and neck. In some cases, discoid lupus can also affect other parts of the body, including the arms, legs and torso. The skin lesions of discoid lupus can cause discomfort, itching and pain, and may lead to scarring and permanent hair loss if they occur on the scalp. While discoid lupus rheumatosus primarily involves the skin, in some cases, it can be associated with systemic lupus erythematosus, SLE, a more widespread autoimmune condition, just like CCLE can. However, in my case, I'm fairly certain my SLE began after the trauma of my lungs at some point after I developed COPD and emphysema. Discoid lupus is diagnosed like the others, based on a combination of clinical examinations, medical history and laboratory tests. During the clinical examination, a dermatologist will assess the characteristic appearance of the skin lesions, their distribution and the patient's history of sun exposure. A skin biopsy is often performed to confirm the diagnosis. The biopsy sample is examined under a microscope. Other diagnostic tests such as blood tests which include antinuclear antibody ANA, testing and other autoantibody assessments and immunological studies may be conducted to rule out other autoimmune conditions and assess the overall health of the patient. Treatment aims to control symptoms, reduce inflammation and prevent disease progression as with all the lupuses. The primary treatment options for discoid lupus includes topical and systemic therapies. It is important for individuals with discoid lupus to protect their skin from sun exposure by using sunscreen, wearing protective clothing and avoiding peak sun hours, which again is the same for all cutaneous lupuses. Some of the cutaneous lupuses are less common ones, and these are lupus erythematosus profundus, tumid lupus erythematosus, and chillblain lupus erythematosus. Lupus erythematosus profundus, also known as lupus paniculitis, but known as LEP for short. LEP is one of the three rare variants of cutaneous lupus erythematosus and can also be considered a deep variant of DLE. It is characterized by chronic and recurrent subcutaneous inflammatory lesions. It primarily affects the subcutaneous fat layer, which is the layer of fat beneath the skin. These typically painful lesions can lead to significant fat atrophy and scarring. 
The lesions are often tender, painful, and erythematosus, which, as we know, is the name for red. They can appear as deep nodules or plaques, which are small abnormal growths of tissue that can be inside or outside the body, including face, arms, legs, buttocks, and torso. They may be localized to a specific area or involve multiple areas. Lupus profundus can occur in individuals with SLE, and it can also occur as an isolated skin manifestation without systemic involvement. The diagnosis of LEP is based again on clinical examination, medical history, and skin biopsy. A skin biopsy helps to confirm the presence of characteristic inflammatory changes in the subcutaneous fat layer. The treatment options are unsurprisingly the same as the others, which may include topical or systemic corticosteroids, immunosuppressive medications, and antimalarial drugs. The choice of treatment given will depend on the severity of the lesions and the presence of systemic involvement. So we talk about the penultimate one that I can find, and that's tumid lupus. Tumid lupus erythematosus, also known as TLE, is like the others, a specific form of cutaneous lupus erythematosus, CLE. It is a highly photosensitive condition that often occurs in isolation without evidence of systemic disease that primarily affects the skin. Unlike other forms of CLE, tumid lupus, interestingly, doesn't typically exhibit ulceration, scaling, or scarring. The lesions that tumid lupus has may appear ring-shaped, hardened, and may have a smooth surface. Similarly to the others, the diagnosis is based on clinical examination, medical history, and skin biopsy. Also, during the examination, a dermatologist will assess the characteristic appearance of the skin lesions, their distribution, and the patient's history of photosensitivity. A skin biopsy is often performed to confirm the diagnosis. The biopsy sample is examined under a microscope again to observe the specific features of tumid lupus. The treatment of tumid lupus is also like all the others, which aims to control symptoms, reduce inflammation, and prevent disease progression. The primary treatment options for tumid lupus include topical corticosteroids are mainly prescribed to reduce inflammation and relieve symptoms. Then there's systemic therapies that may include antimalarial drugs, such as hydroxychloroquine, which have immunomodulatory effects. The other meds also include methotrexate or mycophenolate mofetil, may be prescribed in more severe or unresponsive cases. In an upcoming episode, we will be going through the various medications used to treat lupus and all the possible side effects that go with them. So, like all cutaneous lupuses, it is important for individuals with tumid lupus to protect their skin from sun exposure by using sunscreen, wearing protective clothing, and avoiding peak sun hours. The final lesser known or rare lupus that we'll talk about is called chillblain lupus. Chillblain lupus erythematosus, also known as Lupus pernioarrhythmatosus is another of the cutaneous manifestations of lupus erythematosus that typically affects the skin on the extremities, such as the fingers, toes, heels, and ears. 
This condition is distinguished by the development of red or purple swollen and tender lesions, often in response to cold exposure. Chilblain lupus is more commonly observed in individuals with SLE, but it can also occur in people without a history of systemic lupus. It can be inherited or sporadic, which means unpredictable. Sporadic chilblain lupus usually develops later in life, predominantly in middle-aged women, but not always the case. The exact cause of sporadic form remains unknown, but it is believed that a cold stimulus provokes a decrease in blood vessels, or what's known as microvascular injury, which is something that affects the small blood vessels in the body. This can lead to diminished circulation, hyperviscosity, which is where the blood thickens so much that it doesn't flow freely through your blood vessels. There's also another condition that can happen with chilblain lupus, and that is stasis of the skin, which develops in people who have poor or diminished circulation. It can cause the development of red blotches, sores, swollen legs or ankles. In fact, the legs get affected a lot by it. Stasis dermatitis, which is an inflammatory skin disease on the lower legs, can also happen. But with stasis dermatitis, which is an inflammatory skin disease on the lower legs, can also happen with, but not exclusive to, chilblain lupus. Inherited chilblain lupus, which presents in early childhood, may be a result of a mutation in the TREX1 or SAMHD1 genes. These genes play roles in DNA repair and the immune response. Tubulain lupus begins as red or dusky purple patches, papules and plaques that are initiated or exacerbated by exposure to cold and moisture. These sores usually appear on fingers, heels, soles of feet and toes. Less commonly, sores may appear on the palms of hands, knees, nose or ears. Long-standing lesions can result in atrophy and scarring. Now, although lupus can cause chillblains, not all chillblains are lupus-related. For most people, avoiding cold temperatures and taking medications keeps symptoms at bay. It is advisable to avoid exposure to the cold temperatures and take measures to keep the body parts warm, such as legs and hands, which can help prevent the worsening of chilblain lupus. There's half a dozen known cutaneous lupuses, but although different in some ways, they're also very similar. For instance, the testing for them is the same. The lesions may have different shapes, but they're still lesions painful and all of us are affected by them. The problems with UV rays, the treatments that are given are the same. We are very conscious of our appearance. Some are able to overcome that feeling, but many are still going through being self-conscious. Lupus affects our daily lives, our moods, and many, if not most of us, have or are going through depression. It's funny that we keep getting told everyone with lupus is different. In my experience, I've found that we're all very similar in so many ways. It's also curious that I haven't heard the phrase used on other illnesses. 
I don't know if you have, but I definitely haven't. If you have, then let me know in the comments. We can beat those negative feelings that come with cutaneous lupus. We will get through this, and some will beat it. Always tell yourself that you can, so you will. Okay, so that brings us to the end of this episode of the Men and Lupus podcast. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe so you do not miss any episodes. And please leave a rating and review because that would be really helpful. May your hearts be filled with love, happiness, faith and peace. God bless you. Disclaimer. The content in this podcast and on my webpage is not intended to constitute or be a substitute for professional medical advice of your doctor or qualified healthcare provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition. Never delay in seeking professional medical advice.